Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. start again. Good morning. Mr. Camera person, if you can shoot me from here up so that people can see the screen, that would be great. They don't need to see me standing on the platform because that's not very exciting. No, I'm I'm serious. I want people to see uh, the Word of God. That's what we want to focus our attention on. We want to read through, we want to read through um, the epistle of Jude. Uh, If you weren't with us last week, it is the uh, a general epistle, it's the last general epistle in the Bible before Revelation. So if you can find Revelation in your Bible uh, and then go left, uh, you'll see, uh, well, that's it's not that hard. Um, you'll see the epistle of Jude. I want to read through the whole thing, and then uh, I'll start with just some introductory comments. So hopefully you have a Bible on your phone, or there's, uh, there's that book uh, in the pew there. That's a Bible. You can use that. Um, um, or we'll thank Al Gore for the internet. You may be able to use uh, uh, the internet and stream it in. Okay, let me read uh, from uh, Jude, Jude's epistle. I'm reading from the um, English Standard Version. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God, our God, into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, served as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet, in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious one. But when uh, the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, He did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear, 
shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting out the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now and forever. Amen. You know, that doxology really only has power in light of the rest of the Word of God that is, uh, uh, that is brought to us here by Jude. So um, there is so much here. I'm going I'm to try. I'm going to review some of what we talked about last week. And then we're going to launch F into a section. Um, many people, when they teach this, really that section from verse 5 to verse 16 should be one section. But it is so, so heavy with understanding. There's a lot of meaning there that I'm going to cut it a little short and pick it back up. I actually was thinking about trying to squeeze another week in here, but we're going to stay on schedule. Today will probably be the heaviest content day. And then next week it will be a little lighter. And then finally the ending. Uh, we'll sum things up. So uh, please, let's pray, and then we're going to into the uh, slides, okay? Great God, how amazing you are. We are so unworthy of your kindness to us. We come before you today knowing that we are sinners, and only by the grace that you have showed to us do we even have this opportunity. Only by the death of this sacrifice of Jesus Christ, your own Son, the propitiation, uh, the covering for our sin, the imputation of righteousness. Only by your work on our behalf can we even enter your presence. You told us we can boldly come, and we do uh, with our needs. Uh, we present to you our own lives and ask for you, God, to give us clarity of understanding as we read your word. Help us to discern uh, in our own lives first where we perhaps have gone astray and have not paid attention carefully enough to your word and have allowed um, disparate thoughts to enter in. And we repent of that, O oh God. And we pray, uh, God, that you would root out those among us uh, within the church, this church and other churches, who have um, gone along with their own sensual desires 
instead of uh, the pure word of God, who have caused us to think that we can work out our own worship by our own means. Uh, it can be a transactional with you, O oh God, that if we do this, then you'll do that. Oh God, we have no leverage at all. We come before you knowing that we are worthless, uh, but by the grace of God, um, we would be lost forever. But you have shown kindness to us. And uh, so we ask you to let us be able to understand and discern your word today, that we might repent of our, our selfishness, oh God, and that we might draw nearer to you. Bless our time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, okay, so let's, um, we're going to re review some of the content. So we've already read through this. The first two verses, Jude is introducing himself. He's writing to a group of people. He's not telling us that he's the half-brother of Jesus here. Um, he tells us uh, we have to kind of discern that ourselves. Uh, he's writing to a group of people. We talked about last week how we believe Jude um, was one of the ones who actually wanted to see Jesus, who, who went to meetings that Jesus was at and said he's out of his mind, uh, who taunted him. We read that in John 7. And then we find Jude in the upper room. And we also read that passage from 1 Corinthians 9 where it says that Jude uh, apparently was also a traveling evangelist. So we, we believe, at least it's my uh, kind of uh, putting pieces together, that he would have been sending this to those people with whom he had visited before. But it's a general epistle. There are a number of general epistles that are written to the church, uh, letters that were circulated around uh, to different people. But he presumes a lot of things that we would understand. And for us in this time period, there are a lot of things that we don't understand. Uh, and actually, there's a lot of bad preaching that goes along with this. Um, there was a gentleman I listened to this week, first time I've listened to him. His content was really good, but he's screaming, and he's screaming at his own congregation. Uh, and there are a number of preachers who talk about how bad the church is, and the church is corrupt, and stuff like that. And, it, you know, I don't understand that line of thinking. I really don't. Uh, certainly, uh, when you have this many people together, uh, there are going to be influences, and we talked about that. Some people seek their own selfish means. Uh, um, they want to be big fish in a small pond. And that's the role of the shepherd is to discern that. It's a very challenging thing uh, to be able to keep a pure message there. And Jude, as we go on to verse 3, we'll see that Jude said, and that's the reason he writes to us. He writes to us because he wanted to write about our common salvation, but he was um, pained. He heard, he understood that uh, corruption was being brought in. I want to appeal to you. And he's appealing to all of us that we contend for this faith, the purity of the faith, that we really understand what we believe uh, because it's very easy to go astray. There are many who want to take us off the path. And we will see today that those who were given a responsibility, who understood the faith, and who then turned aside to their own means, there was severe judgment. So this is really a message today for leaders. And I took this very personally. Most people who like to preach through the scripture, I won't mention John MacArthur, oh, okay. Um, they use this to kind of beat the church up. But to me, this is a scripture passage for leaders who are given great responsibility. And people who understand responsibility and the nurturing of the people below them, anyone who doesn't isn't humbled by that automatically every day that you have responsibility for other people is not a person who should be in leadership, okay? In the case as we look at today and we look at the scripture, we will see that there were people who were given this revelation knowledge of God. They, they knew the truth and they turned aside. And for them, 
it was a it was a a terrible disaster and jude is giving those examples to us so that we can be aware you need to be aware because whatever knowledge whatever light has been given to you you are responsible for that okay i'm responsible for the light that's been given to me i'm responsible for the role the roles in which god has put me do you understand that and we it can't say well you know that's somebody else's job no if you know if you have an understanding as small as it may be you're responsible for that so let's go keep going mike okay so we talked about contending and what the faith is. And I mentioned last week, it's very simple. We've got to be clear on who Jesus is, both God and man, son of God, sacrifice on our behalf. We've got to be clear on what he did, the imputation of righteousness, the covering of our sin. And we've got to be clear on it's only Jesus, as hard as that is to know. And I mentioned uh, there are a lot of people who'd love to be able to say, well, there, you know, there's other means, okay? It can't be. If God is so loving, see, that's a vertical argument, right? If God is so loving, someone is saying, well, you really don't love people if you give them a hard time about their faith, okay? It's a, my, that's a horizontal kind of love. Our love is vertical with God, okay? God showed love to us. John said God is love. He bestowed his love on us by giving us this opportunity. Jesus said, I am the way. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly, right? Okay, so people want to use this argument that says, oh, well, you really don't love people if you're contending like that. Why can't we all get along? I want to get along. I want you to come along with me as I go to be with Jesus. Come see a man told me everything he'd ever done, right? The woman at the well, okay? And they believed her, and I love that passage, not because of what God did for her, but when they came, this woman of ill repute, when they came after a little while, the scripture says, we came at first because she told us, but now that we've heard it, we believe for ourselves, okay? So I love you enough to tell you the truth, okay? And am I going to rock the boat? Baby, I've been rocking boats for a long time, okay? All right, let's keep going here. Okay, so this was just, I just found this article this week, interesting, 60% of the time. This is a, a survey of Christian Young adults, Christian young adults, not every adult. 60% of adults under 40 say Jesus isn't the only way. We got work to do, folks. We've got work to do. Go to the next one, Mike, okay? More than 60% of born-again Christians in America believe Buddha, Muhammad, and Jesus are all valid paths to salvation. And over 30% say they either believe that Jesus sinned just like other people when he lived on earth or aren't sure. We should stop right now and pray to God for our young people. God, help us. We're losing a generation because we've allowed this idea that we can't contend. God is love. We don't want to make waves. Hey, you know, that's kind of what they believe. You know, uh, you know people kind of believe what they want to believe. I don't want to mess with that. Okay, well, you're going you're gonna to not mess with that right into the place where God's going to say, you didn't know, I didn't know you, right? Right? Uh, sheep and the goats, okay? Um, where, when did you, when did you, um, you know, uh, when were you hungry, God? When were you in prison, okay? When you didn't care for the least of me. When you didn't acknowledge that I was the way. I was the only way. Oh, God, help us. Please help us. All right, let's keep going. Okay. So 
Now, I'm using these three terms I am borrowing from John MacArthur, immoral, insubordinate, and irreverent. We're going to see a habit pattern in the next few verses of people. It might be one, it might be all three, where they're demonstrating uh, these behavior patterns. Okay, But understand, again, this is a responsibility of those who've been given light, and suddenly they deny the light to their own peril. Verse 5. Okay, oh, all right. So this is, all right, just skip on to, skip to the next one. Okay, um, so he was talking about beloved, now he's talking about those people. We mentioned that last time. I want to remind you, so starting with verse 5, he's reminding. He's not getting into too much depth in this, but he's reminding. So for those of us in the 21st century, we don't have a lot of history to, to really understand what he may be saying. We can understand some of it, and we'll go through some of it quickly, but some of it's really deep. And both Jude and Peter address two of the three same issues when they talk about apostasy. Apostasy, a falling away. Someone who knows the truth and who yet denies that truth and turns aside to their own ways. Okay? Keep going, Mike. I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, That the Lord, now in some versions say Jesus, and that's really interesting that they use Jesus. The word is kurios, which is Lord in Greek. Uh, it's interesting that the English Standard Version uses Jesus. And some commentators have said how interesting that Jude is acknowledging he's the half-brother of Jesus. He's saying he's, I'm a bondservant of Jesus. And he actually uses the name of his brother as the one who has done this, who... Uh, let, saved the people out of Egypt, but afterwards destroyed them. It's very, very interesting if you think about it from that perspective. The word technically is Lord, and we think about it as being God, but if God and Jesus are the same person, it was Jesus who did this. So let's look at the story. Okay? We know the story. What happened? Let's go back to the Exodus. Okay? Let's go back to the plagues, the ten plagues. Let's go back to if you cover the tenth plague, cover the doorpost of your house with this lamb's blood, okay? Um, uh, have the Passover meal and get ready to leave because once the wailing uh, and the death of the firstborn happens, uh, Pharaoh is going to release us. Uh, and remember how this, one of the most oft-repeated stories in uh, Jewish history, going through the Red Sea, water on each side. Remember we talked about that. Manna in the wilderness, okay? God protecting them, taking them all the way up. Here's the promised land, okay? So God displaying his great majesty and them having faith, demonstrating faith. This wasn't just, you know, uh, uh, depending on Moses. Moses did all the work. No, they had to have faith to put blood on the doorpost, right? Right? They had to have faith to trust God through the other plagues and then to walk across the wilderness and to depend on him. Now they get to the promised land, okay? And then the promised land... Uh, they send spies in, okay? They decide to send spies in. And honestly, I, I don't remember whether God told them to do that or, or Moses did. Hopefully, uh, it was God initiating that. Uh, but you could see how the arm of the flesh would say, okay, well, let's check this out. We know God's going to deliver us, but we better check it out for ourselves. Well, that didn't work out very well for them, okay? Um, oh, go back, Mike. Go back to the one before this, okay? Uh, go back to the first section from Numbers, okay? 
So they raised their voices in a loud cry, and they wept that night. Because the spies came back with a report of 12 spies. Two of them said, there are giants in the land. It's a little scary, but we'll trust God. He's brought us this far. We're going to trust him as we are. You know who those were, right? Joshua and Caleb. Okay. The rest of the spies said, we can't do this. It's impossible. So then all the people of Israel grumbled. Okay. Remember, we read that in Jude, and we'll, we'll visit that. Okay, these apostates are grumblers. They grumble against Moses and Aaron. They're designated leadership. Okay, um, the whole congregation said to them, "Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword?" Where's the faith? Where's the faith that walked through walls of water across the Red Sea? Where's the faith that spread blood on the doorposts? Okay. Folks, we do the same thing sometimes, and maybe not intentionally. God reveals himself to us in a great way, and we trust him for that. We tr and then suddenly, you know, something gets a little difficult, and we're like, well, I'm not really sure God can do this. Let me call this person. Let me see if they can help me out here, okay? All right? Uh, this was more blatant, I could say, because they grumbled. They contested with their leaders. They challenged them. They said, you're wrong. You have taken us on the wrong path. We're going to die here. So it's a little bit more um, than just doubting. Uh, go to the next one. So they want to choose, an, uh, give us another leader. Um, we want to go back. We're going to choose more other leaders. You're going to see this later on when we get to Korah. Okay, it seemed like they always wanted to replace Moses with some, somebody better. Uh, and it wasn't working for them. So here's the Lord speaking to Moses. Now, how long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? Who are they grumbling against? They're grumbling against God. We need to be careful of our speech, folks, okay, with our grumbling. We may be grumbling against the pastor. We may be grumbling against our supervisor. But who are those people? Those are people that God has put in place over us, right? Especially here in church. There's a great book on leadership, um, Undercover. John Bevere writes that. And the American church, here is my generalization, okay, we tend to think in America that we can question authority, uh, we question our leaders all the time. And it's really not a good thing for us to do that because those people are in leadership and God has ordained for them to be in leadership. And that actually comes into the church as well. And we question the authority of our leaders. Hey, if you don't like what's going on, go somewhere else. Uh, but the tendency is for us to stay and just to complain about things. And that's not a good position to be in. Okay? So what does he say? As, the, as I live, declares the Lord, what I, you've said in my hearing... I, I will do to you. Your dead body shall fall in this wilderness. Everyone from 20 years old, because that was the age of the fighting people. From 20 years old, they were listed in the army. Okay, Not one shall come into land except for Caleb and Joshua. Now go to the next one, Mike. So this is really interesting. Uh, they did a, they did, the book of Numbers is called Numbers because of the uh, census that were done. So before they went into the promised land, 603,550 men 20 years old and upward. So then, because we have to subtract two for Joshua and Caleb, right? Okay? A new generation came up after 40 years of wandering. Uh, it roughly works out to 15,000 deaths a year, about 40 deaths a day, just of men. 40 years. 40 years people dying in the wilderness because they refused to listen to God. They trusted him. 
to the point. We trust Him to the point that we can control it. When it's out of our control, come on, let's fess up here, okay? When it's out of our control, we stop trusting. Let's go to the next one. Okay. The Holy Spirit says to us and reminds us in the book of Hebrews, if you, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as a rebellion of the day of testing in the wilderness. It was a test. Okay? We'll see that in some additional scriptures later on. God sometimes puts us to the test. You trust me for small things. Will you trust me for this? What did he do to Abraham? Abraham, I know you're a good guy, uh, but will you trust me for the son? I promise the son to you. Abraham passed the test. And because Abraham passed the test, it says the just will live by faith. That is how we live. It's grace by faith. That's a lifestyle that we must live. When we try and control God, it becomes transactional. That's never going to work out on our favor. Okay? Let's keep going. Now, verse 6. This is a very difficult passage to understand. The angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. What the heck is that about? Okay? Um, all right? Now, interestingly enough, Skip ahead two slides, Mike. Or is it Donovan? Donovan's there. Skip uh No, go back one. I'm sorry. Most people that I've heard referred to this passage in Revelation because in Revelation it talks about there was a war in heaven fighting against a dragon and he was thrown down to the earth, right? Here's a problem, okay? Jude is written in 68 AD and when is Revelation written? Uh Hey, it's written 20 years later, right? There you go. Good eye, Brian. Um, so how can, you how can you use this as a proof text when it hasn't been written yet? So go back to the one right before this, honey. Okay. So there are two scriptures uh, that, to which we can refer that are Old Testament scriptures. The first one is here, the Isaiah scripture. And this one is really talking about this pride that develops. It gives us a little bit of information. I will ascend above the heights, but you are brought down to Sheol. It doesn't really tell us about the war, does it? I'm going to show you something really cool. This is going to be really cool. Okay. Um, go ahead. Okay. Skip to the next one. Now, look at this. Okay. So there's a couple hints here of what's going on. Isn't this cool? Did you bring your waders today? Because we're going in the deep end here. Okay. They did not stay within their own position of authority. Again, a leadership passage right there, okay? They left their proper dwelling. So we get some hints, but then it also says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality. And there is a scripture passage that talks about this. Go ahead, go to the next one. Genesis 6. When man began to multiply in the face of the earth, and... On the face of the land, and daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw the daughters of man were attractive, and they took them as their wives. Now, this is really interesting. So this is something that we don't often consider. We often consider the fact that we as human beings have the ability to choose our own path or to put ourselves under God's authority. Well, apparently the angels must have had some kind of flexibility there as well. Okay? All right. So I skipped ahead 
Is that, did you go forward? Or did you go back? Just go back to that one. Yeah, just stay on this one, okay? Um, let me suggest to you that because the angels violated their, their position, uh, go back, I'm sorry, go back to that last one you read, Donovan. Because they have violated their own position of authority and took advantage of this from a sexual perspective, God put them into gloomy darkness. Now go back to verse 6. Yeah, in darkness till the judgment of the great day. They were judged. And I might suggest to you that we'd have to consider, were the angels cast out of heaven? Because, was this war in heaven because of the pride? Or was it because, the, or did the pride lead to them wanting to come to the earth and having these relationships with uh, the daughters of men? Uh, right? Uh, it, it's an interesting question, which we wouldn't get into if we just did a cursory reading. Uh, and it doesn't really matter. What it is saying is when you're in a position of authority, when you have a role, when you have a knowledge of your responsibility and you violate it, God will hold you accountable for that. Okay, And that is not something to take lightly because it happened. We read about it in, uh, uh, in Numbers and we're going to read about it again in Genesis. But here it is, the angels even as well, who violated their position. Now go to the next one. Okay, so very interesting. Something we skip over when we read this passage. We know about Jesus crossing the sea and coming into a man who was demon-possessed, and he had many demons in him, right? Okay, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for we are many. And then what do they say? Don't send us into the abyss. What's the abyss? That's where the angels who violated their position were cast into gloomy darkness. Okay? And you remember another place in the scripture where Jesus said, this place was reserved for the devil and his angels. And it is unfortunate that anyone who does not acknowledge the name of Christ or anyone who knows the truth and turns aside from it will wind up in the same Okay, keep, keep going. So now we're back to verse 7. And of course, we're all familiar with uh, what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. But I think we're so familiar with the experience that there are some other scriptures that we overlook. So go to the next one. Okay. Uh, we've read this. Two, two angels came. Now, what was happening before these angels came to Sodom and Gomorrah? They, were, they had encountered three uh, beings. The... Uh, um, what do they call theophany, perhaps, uh, a representation of God, uh, and two angels met with Abraham, okay? And Abraham, you know, and, and they said in the scripture in Genesis 18, uh, can we tell Abraham what we're about to do? And so they did, and, and you remember Abraham said, well, God, what if there's 50 people in that city? Well, I won't, I won't care. What if there's 45? What if there's 40? Abraham interceding on behalf of the people of Sodom. Okay? So now in the next passage, these angels have come to get Lot out. Okay? We may not think about it because Lot originally, when we follow the story of Lot, he saw the plane was attractive. Next time we see Lot, he's in the city. He's in this area. So people are very critical of Lot, even though the scripture passage and Peter himself will see this, talks about Lot being a righteous man. So let's assume that Peter is correct and Lot is a righteous man trying to live righteously in the midst of this corrupt area. And the angels have come 
to get him out. Okay? And they are so corrupt, go to the next passage, okay, that they want to have sexual relations. So so it, there's a there's a there's a fact here that we miss, okay? It's only by the Spirit of God that we can die to the flesh. The flesh is a powerful force in our lives, okay? And if we don't allow the Spirit to put the flesh to death, it will torment us and take us off of the plan that God has for us. It is really a very helpful um, uh, tool that God gives to us. Without that, we would struggle. We would be like the Gnostics. We'd have in our mind, in our heart, and Paul says this, go back to Romans chapter 7, okay? The things that I want to do, I can't do. I do the things that I don't want to do. And we agonize with Paul, and sometimes we relate to Paul because of that struggle, okay? The men of Sodom allowed the flesh to totally consume them to where they were willing to rape two people who came. Now, the angels probably are beautiful creatures, and they're, uh, we're only imagining that they're, uh, in, even though they're in human form, uh, there's something about them. But, but it is excessive wickedness, okay? Here it is in Genesis, way back in Genesis 13, okay? Uh, they were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. So there's a pattern of wickedness, okay? And wickedness, if left on its own, will continue to destroy, and, and people will be consumed by the flesh, okay? And we see this pattern in Jude, where Jude says, those who've known the truth, and you see this experientially, people who've known the truth and have turned aside from the truth get caught up in the flesh. As a matter of fact, I could suggest to you I don't want to make this a, a you know a true statement, but oftentimes people who fail in ministry fail because of the flesh. They're attracted to that, and the people who are in that position where they're trying to divide the word so carefully are so tempted. If they give in to that, it divides it, and the, and the truth always comes out. It's unfortunate. Why is it that person was so doing such a great job in that church and they're so great, and suddenly we find out they're in relationship with someone? We must pray for our leaders and hold them up. And we must be in relationships where we can be accountable so that the flesh does not consume us because that's what Satan wants to do. Okay, next slide. Okay, God did not spare angels or cast them into hell if he did not spare the ancient world. Okay, by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ash. Okay, this is what's going to happen to the ungodly. Next slide. If he rescued righteous Lot, okay, uh, amen, God rescues us. Remember what Jude, how he started? To those who are called, who are loved, who are kept, who are kept. Be thankful to God that we are kept, that he seeks to keep us. He sends someone to help you, even though they may come to you and say something. Hey, why are you living like this? Okay, and we'll see that at the end of the letter. Jude says, we need to go to those people and we do everything we can do to win them back. We are that angel, that agent of God to try and rescue them from this because this punishment for sin is, is it's destructive. It's, it's eternal. It's a complete separation from God. It's not like, okay, I'm not going to get a crown. No, you will be in torment forever. Even the angels, the fallen angels said to Jesus, don't cast us into the abyss. Right? Okay? Especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Again, 
there's immorality, there's irreverence, there's insubordination. If you see these characteristics in people in leadership, there's a spiritual problem. It's not just an attitude problem. That's what we always say. Well, that person's got an attitude problem. They got a spiritual problem is what they've got. And the best thing you can do is pray for them. Keep going. And that's only three verses. Um, stay true to trusting God despite the noise. Stay true to calling. So here's a kind of a summary of those verses. Stay true to the calling. Stay true to dying to the flesh. Put the flesh to death. All right, let's keep going. Yet in like manner, these people relying on their dreams. This is a very interesting passage, okay? Uh, some of the uh, versions say that they're dreamers. It's not like they're class dreamer. It was, a, it was heartbreaking for us, I, if I can say this. Um, we went to one of our children's, uh, you know, when they're little kids and they have like these uh, things they do for um, preschool kids, you know, and they're like displaying all their artwork or they're doing different things. And we go in and I think the teacher said to us, oh, she's the class dreamer. And we were crushed as parents. We're like, oh, my daughter's a class dreamer. Um, she's a beautiful child. Um, but anyway, this is not being the class dreamer, okay? Go to the next verse, okay? If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams. This is a person. Judah's referring to someone, and this is very prevalent in our age. We have the word of God, but I had a dream last night. Let me tell you what God said to me. You ever heard somebody say that? Okay. You know, I was going to preach on this passage, but the Lord woke me up last night. And I have a word from God. Never had that happen? Okay. So it's like God can't be in your study all week long, right? Okay. But you wait. It's like, God, I got to preach in 15 minutes. I need something. Oh, glory. I got it here. Okay. Okay. You've all heard that, right? People do that. People do that. And, and that's more spiritual than somebody who works through the scripture, who studies, who spends time, and who researches. Really? Okay. Okay. And this is what he says. He, they tell you, I had a dream, and the dream says, let us go after other gods. You should not listen to the words of that prophet, for the Lord is, remember I said, testing you. Okay. Next time that preacher comes out and says, well, I had it. Now, I'm not saying that God can't give people dreams. Did he give Joseph a dream? Yes. Okay. Did he give um, other people in Scripture dreams to guide their thinking? Yes. So it's not like, you know, anybody who has a dream is, is corrupt. But when you rely on extra-biblical knowledge, okay? Oh, I had a dream, and God told me that you need to do this. Hold on. Let's see where that is in the Word, right? I don't want to go there, right? Okay? That prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. Because they are they're teaching you rebellion. We need to be very, very careful with that. We we're in an age of experience, right? The word of God and other things. And that is very dangerous. Okay? It has to be now, like I said, people can dream, people can reveal things. They could say, Well, how did you know that? And and we all love that. I love what you know, somebody has a class dream and say, Wow, how did you know? Um but everything has to be tested by the word, the word, the word, the word. Next. Okay. These people, these dreamers, they defile the flesh. Okay. Again, it becomes a sensual affair.
church. If something in it that doesn't feel, if it doesn't feel right, it ain't, right? Okay? Reject authority, okay? Someone has given me insight. I have insight. Well, you know, I know the pastor said this, but I really believe, watch out, okay? Blaspheme the glorious one. So we're going to see this. This is really interesting, okay? So go to the next verse. thinking. Skip to the next one. Uh, there was an age a few a few years ago when we were casting demons out of chairs and uh, and everything. I mean, demons were just, that was just something we did, you know. Can Christians be demon-possessed and stuff like that? If you read this passage very carefully, uh, Jude refers to the Archangel Michael. One of the the only archangel that's really mentioned there. Gabriel's not mentioned as an archangel. He's mentioned as an angel, okay, uh, in, a, in a very key role. And uh, this backstory, there's a lot of stuff going on. We know that in, in Deuteronomy 34, uh, Moses died in the wilderness and God covered up, you know, God buried him. It was probably Michael who did it. You know, God kind of said, hey, Mike, can you do this for me? So um, when he was doing that, apparently the devil contested burial of Moses. Why Moses? Moses murdered that Egyptian. Don't you remember that? How can you take Moses in there? How can you treat him any more so? Just like he contests with God over all of us, right? Okay. Michael doesn't say, I bind you, Satan, and I cast you. He doesn't say that stuff, right? What does he say? He says, the Lord rebuked you. Okay. Here's another story, another time, Zechariah 3. And this is the Lord. There's a the another theophany here, okay? The Lord, the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuked you, okay? If God says, if Jesus as a, in a theophany says, the Lord rebuked you, who are we to go around fighting with demons like that, right? Remember the uh, sons of Sceva? Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who the heck are you? Right? That's exactly right. Okay? So we're getting into, you know, kind of a difficult area here. And and um, it's it's blasphemy against the Holy Ones. These are the ones. Go back to the slide before. Okay? The law was put in place by angels. Okay? We must pay closer attention to what we've heard, drift away from it, since a message declared by angels. These are God's emissaries. They're not gods, but they are certainly in a, a certain class that we have, we may have some position of authority, okay? But you can see that even angels, even the Lord dealing with angels doesn't go around binding them and loosing them and stuff like that. But when you go to Jude, and go back to the passage right before, the slide right before, okay? But these dreamers, hey, I had a dream. We've got to cast these demons. They blaspheme them. Okay. Very, very dangerous territory. All right, keep going. Let's go. We're going to get this done. We really are. Uh, da, da, da. Yes, here it is right here. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against you. So who am I? 
I'm, I'm just like this little worm here, right? David said that I am a worm and not a man. All right, keep going. This is really cool stuff, isn't it? Okay, but these people, see, this is why they do it. They blaspheme all they do not understand. You are ignorant if you're doing this stuff. You don't know what you're doing and what kind of trouble you're getting yourself into. Okay? The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Here's the problem. They're not saved. They're not saved. Okay? You can only understand things of God if you are transformed. Natural people cannot understand it. Okay? Most people around us, I, and I hate to say it, I don't, know, I don't care who they are. I don't care the labels that they wear. We cannot assume that they know God. Okay? Until there's some confirmation in the Spirit or somehow we see their lives and they verify it. I don't care what the label is. Okay? There's plenty of people wearing the label that says Christian, and it ain't there. As a matter of fact, I, you know, I, I'm reluctant to use Christian contractors, okay? Because, okay, you got a fish on your truck, but there's something is not right here, right? Um, they're natural. They understand only things instinctively because they're operating off the flesh. We're almost there. We're actually going to get down on time here pretty good. Keep going. Okay, woe to them. This is where I was going to, if I had an extra week, I was going to finish right there. But I didn't get around. It's okay, so we're going to finish this. Woe to them. That phrase is used in condemnation of them. Okay, that's what that phrase is used for. Woe to anyone who deceives others and pretends to wear, you know, the shepherd's cloth. And they're really an animal. They're a wolf in sheep's clothing. Woe to anyone in leadership who holds contempt for the creatures, the children of God, that they've been given by stewardship. Hey, you may not be a Christian, but the people that God has given to you, he has given them to you, to your care. You are responsible for them and need to nurture them and care for them. And if your leader doesn't do that, you can tell them about it, but I'd be looking for somebody else to lead. I tell my students, don't like the angels in that role, in that position. If someone seeks to take advantage of you, I don't care what your mortgage payment is. You need to trust God to get out of that situation. Okay. The problem is we put ourselves in that situation and we stay there because there's so much pressure. I'm going to meet these deadlines. I've got these obligations. You do not. You trust God. The same God who has the cattle on a thousand hills will take care of your needs. If that situation's not working, you need to be honest and get out of it. Okay? Trust God. Okay? Like the Israelites. Don't say we've got to figure it out for ourselves. So here we go. We've got three more. A lot of trip, a lot of triplets in Jude. There's three more here. We're going to look at these three, and then we're going to do 12 and 13. We'll be done. Okay? Uh, they walked. Now, this is worship, which really, go back, Donovan, one slide. This is a worship verse. This is about worship. You would never know it until you slow down and say, they walked in the way of Cain. Cain was given an opportunity to worship God and sacrifice. Balaam was given an opportunity. He was asked to prophesy falsehood, but he prophesied worship to God. And Korah was actually a Levite. 
who was commissioned. He was paid. He was given the tithes and offerings of Israel to worship God. Worship me. This one's for you. Ooh, hear the groan? Okay, go to the next one. Okay. Cain decided to worship God out of his own strength. He was given the opportunity. There's an understanding in that passage, or if you read it, and this is one thing I got from the shouting guy. The guy was shouting, and even if his wife said to him, he said it while he was preaching through the passage. His wife said to me, why are you, why are you so upset about this guy? So I got to proclaim the word of God. I think I used to be like that, right? I was stubborn. But I got a good wife, and she kicked my rear end. And um, I learned, you know, I, I was just arrogant. I was just, oh, I'm supposed to be thinking more God. Okay? So Cain said, no, I think I'm going to worship the God this way. So his worship was a convenience. Right? Balaam was hired to condemn Israel, but he could not do it. You would have thought when he, he would have figured it out that God would not let him pronounce curses on Israel, but only blessing. You would have thought he would figure it out. The only thing that's going to come out of my mouth is blessing. But instead, he figured out a way to entice the people of Israel with less than idolatry. So that became transactional. And what does that mean? That means if you do this for God, he'll do this for you. There's nobody who does that, right? If you buy this prayer shawl, you send money, I'm going to make sure you get this little cloth and you can leave it on your table and you'll be blessed and things will go well with you. I'm sorry, it's just too, it's too easy, okay? Korah, Korah was hired. He was paid to be in that role. And he said, now this is really interesting. We read this passage. And again, if I, if I had eight more weeks, I would have go through each one of these. But, um, he used a universalist approach. When he goes back to Moses, he says, we don't have to work through you. We're all holy. That means there's many ways to God, many ways to worship. God will accept exactly what we're doing. But no, God said, no, Moses, as, as fleshly as he, and as, as much as they don't always follow my path, this is what I've designed. I've designed them in headship. I've designed the word of God Okay, and the tabernacle and all those kind of things. And he wasn't happy with that setup. He said, we are all holy. So he raised up a rebellion. 250 key leaders in Israel. And Moses, this is so cool. I love this. We're going to do this someday with people. Okay, you, you have an attitude, right? He said, if the floor of the church suddenly opens, then maybe you'll know that that's from God, right? Uh, 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 Moses said, if if... You know, if nothing happens and, and there's no judgment, then maybe God is satisfied with your approach. But if suddenly the ground opens up and swallows everybody and then covers them back over, maybe God's not pleased with your attitude. And guess what happens? Okay. Right? However, but again, it's a universalist approach. There are many ways. We're all holy. I don't need to listen to you. I can find on my own. Well, that may be true, except I need some direction. And my way may be convenient to my heart. Okay? So one more, I think, is there one more slide? 
No, so we'll cover these. Uh, Go back one second. Let's read the scripture. These are hidden reefs that you look through. Your peace without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless plains, wild waves of the sea. I don't have to read that. Go to the next one. So here's what they are. A hidden reef is false security. You're bringing your boat into that harbor, and you think everything's great, but you're going to run aground. That's a bad thing, right? Okay? Shepherds who feed themselves. What is a shepherd's role? Shepherd's role is to care for the flock, not to feed themselves. Sorry, I know that's annoying, right? Okay? Waterless clouds. In this day of arid climate, right, we have all this heat. When you see a cloud, you're probably on your knees praying, oh, God, let it rain, right? Okay? What if it doesn't? Okay? That's false protection. That's what these people are. They come into the church. They come into our organizations, and they look, they look good. They know all the right things. They say all the right stuff. Waterless clouds. Right? Wild waves. The scripture talks about how they're churning, okay? After a storm, it churns up all the muck and all of the stuff under it, okay? People come in, a lot of noise. Oh, yeah, we got to do this. We got to fix this. We got to do that. A lot of churn, okay? A lot of people upset. Oh, yeah, but this is going to be better. Oh, really? Is that how we make things better? By tearing everything apart and upsetting people, okay? Uh, Wandering stars. Uh, Back in the day, when we didn't have Google and the internet, okay, uh, and GPS, people actually used stars to guide themselves, right? Remember that? Um, well, if the star is wandering, then your guidance system is going to be off, right? Okay, if you hitch yourself to a person who's a false teacher, and how many of us have? I follow this person. And I find myself uh, frustrated and I'm uncomfortable and I don't know why. You know why? Because the Spirit of God is speaking to you saying, it's not good. It's not true. (sighs) By their own actions, there is reserved for them the blackness of death, that abyss, that abyss. Folks, this is, you know, we tease a little bit, but there are people who are actually doing this to others. There are people who are actually have fallen into this false thinking. And Jude will talk about it. Next week we'll look at how Jude says we've got to go in there and, and try in everything we can to rescue them. Even garments that are soiled, which is soiled garments are, you know, people had a mess in their garments, okay? Even trying to reach those who've messed themselves badly. Because it's our job now that we have the truth desperately desire, desire to bring others along. Right? The woman at the well could have just said, hey, my life has changed. I, my life sucked before, and now it's great. But instead, she realized that everyone in her community needed to know the truth. Okay? We need to share the truth and live the truth before others. Okay, so let's close. It is a fearful thing. I'm not sure if that's 30 or 31. I I think that was 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We should pray for our own selves to make sure our own hearts are right with God and pray for those who are lost. Moses and Aaron, when 
came to the tabernacle with these 250 leaders, senior leaders in Israel, what did Moses do? Did he get into a shouting match? Was it like Fox News where people kind of shout over each other? No, he fell down on his face before God because he knew that these guys were in deep. And if they kept doing what they were doing, they were going someplace. It wasn't going to be pretty. It's a fearful thing. We have lost the fear of God, okay? Nobody likes to preach on hell. Oh, we can't preach on hell. We're going to scare people. Listen, I, I, Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about heaven. He talked more about hell than a lot of things, okay? Because he tried to say, you don't want to go there. That wasn't made for you. I came so that you might have life. But people who don't listen, you corrupt, whitewashed, sepulcher Pharisees, you're going the wrong direction. Why did he keep going back? Why keep going back to people who just gave him a hard time and wanted to kill him? Because they were leaders. They needed to hear the truth. They needed to have their lives turned around. Consider your own approach to faith, to worship, to how you speak, right? We talked about grumbling, grumbling. If you find yourself grumbling over some of the things that your leaders do or things that happen in church or whatever, you may need to check your own heart and then maybe go to that person and say, look, I am, I am sorry. I'm having a hard time with this. Please forgive me. You are God's designated leader. That's so hard to say, isn't it? Because we like to challenge our leaders. Listen, I did not pray for the president that we have, but he's the president that God has given to us. And the Bible tells me I'm supposed to pray for people in leadership. So I do pray for him. That's what the Bible tells me to do. Your testimony, your witness, true your leadership, by and whose authority. Is that the last slide? Is that it? We done? We're done. Let's stand. I got you out early. Just kidding. Stayed awake, that's good. Jude wanted to hug our necks and love on us and talk about our common faith. But instead, he said, I need to tell you about this. You've got to contend for the faith. And it's not this contentious contending. It is, God, I want to know what I believe. I want to be secure in that. And you shouldn't be insecure. You should be secure that Jesus loves you, that you are kept. What did he say in verse 2? You are called. God has selected you. You are loved, and you are kept. And at the end of this passage, and week 4, we go back through that doxology. When you read that doxology in light of all of this, you are amazed that God would love you that much, that he would keep you and preserve you. So we have truth that should be nurtured. And we should be in Bible studies. And we should be examining the word of God. It should be precious to us. Jeremiah, um, thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. It's precious. It should be. And there are some who are walking a dangerous path. Who have allowed the fleshly you know, sensuality corrupt them, to direct them away. They may not ever have given their hearts to Christ, and they may be here. Or they could be back there. Or it could be people you encounter. We must pray 
fervently for Korah. Like Moses and Aaron prayed for Korah. Said, you guys do not know what you're doing here. Father God, in the name of Jesus, your word so powerful. We are blessed with the truth that you have revealed to us today. Draw us near, God. Help us to understand your word with such clarity. God, look at our hearts. Examine us. See if there be any wicked way in me, the, the psalmist wrote. God, and I do pray for those with whom I encounter uh, waterless clouds, hidden reefs, the grumblers, those people who are in roles of influence. God, give me words to be able to speak truth to them. Help me to avoid giving in, uh, allowing their corruption to distract me. Help me to be an example to my students, to my family, uh, to, to everyone with whom I come in contact with. God, purify our hearts. Thank you for this precious message. Thank you that we are called and beloved and kept by Jesus Christ. Bless this day before us, God, till we meet again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you all. We'll do it again next week. Two more weeks. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.